Oh, cool. All right, guys, welcome to Raise Riffs. This meeting's being recorded. That was the new Zoom lady. That's cool. Uh, Alan Lee will not be here. Um, for the folks at home, I think Alan's probably going to be done for this season. Um, he's still part of the show, just his schedule is just not working out with mine. And the show must go on. Um, he might appear on one of them, but uh, as of right now, it looks like he's done for the season. But I'm still here, and it's Razor Riffs. That's all that matters. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, a couple things. I have a few shows. Uh, July 3rd, I'll be at the Rec Room with the Pablo Francisco. You can get tickets at www.recroomhb.com. Let's sell it out. Let's, let's buy your tickets now. Let's tell a friend. Buy those tickets. I'll also be at the Rec Room on August 7th with Dad Fam. Tickets will be on sale shortly. Same website. But uh, if we sell out those shows and they had a second show, Maybe we could add a third show and do a Razor Rips live, which Alan Lee would obviously be because it's uh, he'll be there because it's 11 o'clock on Saturday. It's not like he has work on Sunday. Anyways, moving on. I'm also on Cameo. You could book me on Cameo. They have this whole 24 hours where your Cameo's free thing. I only charge $5. I was thinking once I hit like a hundred cameos, maybe I could raise it up. But I'm at five star reviews, baby. What's up? Anyways, my stand up special is also out. Keith Razor, make it happen. Uh, for those who've seen it, thank you. Keep watching it. Keep telling people to watch it. Uh, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done besides this podcast. I'm very, very. Um, proud of it. I'm sure we'll talk about that tonight with our guest, who's a big fan of it, I think. I hope, I think. Anyways, we got a great show. Oh yeah, follow us on uh, social media, Raise the Rips. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Uh, we got a great show today. Uh, our guest is the great Norm Leonard. Leonard. Or Leonard. It's Leonard, I think. Norm is uh, my screenwriting teacher. Uh, I will not say where he teaches. Uh, mostly to respect the privacy of me. But um, he's my screenwriting teacher. He's... Uh, Honestly, he's one of my best friends. He's one of my best friends, yeah. And I talk to him on the social, and I really enjoy hanging out with him and uh, learning his wisdom. Uh, we'll see if he feels the same way, but right now I'm leaning towards, yes, he does. Anyways, he's a writer. Uh, he has a documentary called Keeping the Promise, which is about 
uh, AIDS, uh, the Healthcare Foundation, which we'll talk about. He's also uh, written a show called The Nickel, Drugs, The Abortuary, The Voice Inside, Chinese Takeout. But he's on here today to talk and promote about his podcast that he created. He narrates it. Uh, he made it for his children. Uh, it's called Cobbler's Gulch. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcast. It's a storytelling podcast, and it's pretty cool. I've listened to uh, a few episodes, and uh, if you're like me, I got to listen to a podcast that keeps my interest, and this is a very interesting podcast, and it all connects. Uh, each episode is maybe about 10 May I think the longest one I listened to was maybe 16, 17 minutes. But they're short and sweet, and they get to the point. So subscribe, rate, and review to Cobbler's Coach. And we'll be right back to talk to the writer and the creator of Cobbler's Coach, the great Norm Leonard. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. What's up, Norm? Hey, are you there? I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Do a thumbs up. I can't hear you, no. <laughs> oh, he's connecting to his audio. Okay, excellent. Fantastic. This is awkward. This meeting is starting. Ah. <laughs> uh. For the folks at home, uh, don't worry. Norm Leonard is here. He's just not connected vocally. He shaved his beard, though. Are you there? <laughs> just to make sure it's not me, can you do me a thumbs up to see if you could hear me? <laughs> okay we're gonna pause this for a second oh he left wait norm are you there there we go can you hear me now i can i can how are you i'm doing well how are you doing good that was that was awesome like uh i didn't know if you could hear me i thought i was talking to myself <laughs> sorry this is um it's my wife's computer. I normally am outside, um, but it's dark and getting cold. So, wow. so she, her settings are all wonky because I don't know because they, they are. She doesn't do a lot of Zoom meetings, then, huh? She does. I just I don't know what her thing is, but yeah. She oh. does. <laughs> ah, well, you just screwed up her settings. So kudos to that. <laughs> she'll, she'll she'll make it work. How you been, Keith? It's good to see you. 
good to see you, man. I, I, uh, I, uh, I was telling, I gave you a great intro and, uh, I'm not going to say like, uh, where <laughs> I go to school, but I did say you're my screenwriting teacher. Oh, and, okay. And, uh, I miss you very much. Likewise. And yeah. I was, I was telling the folks that I consider you one of my best friends. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've never had anyone like a student say something like that that's really nice and also it feels weird to say student like, i don't feel like we have like a teacher student relationship really it's more like a i teach this class and you just happen to be one of the friends that take it yeah every single year <laughs> yeah. yeah well not i guess you don't like the remote thing though right no i i can't i can't do it because um uh it's it's not that i don't enjoy reading other people's scripts it's just like with my I can't follow along unless other people are, you know, reading it. And it's like the remote thing's kind of like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, we have started doing it kind of the way we did it in class, where we read the scripts, we do cold reads, um, but we just do it on Zoom instead of just reading, you know what I mean? So we, we have started doing that and it's working okay. Oh, cool. Do you think that uh, it'll be back to in class? Because I want to go back to in class. Um, not this fall, but I think probably spring. Cool, cool. Oh, what they tell me? I have some good ideas for spring. <laughs> yeah? You going to pitch any? No, no. Uh, you know what it is? Is like, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. During this pandemic, and this is probably like a real lazy quality of, me, of mine, but I just haven't had the inspiration to write. How, how about how about you? Uh, it's been harder. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, the pandemic, at first, when it, you know, for like a lot of people who are more like, probably uh, creative and maybe introverted. I was like, this is amazing. I get to stay home all day and not talk to people. And thought it was great. And then <clears throat> after a while, I think I noticed that like creatively, productively, I do need to bump up against people a lot more in order to kind of keep that line. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. I didn't, I wasn't as productive as I normally am. Right. Um, I was lucky in so much as I'd written stuff that I was able to make a podcast out of. So that's kept me busy but not in the same way. You know what I mean? Like if you're writing, it's a different sort of muscle. Yeah. Um, like adapting it to podcasts is different. And that's why you're here. You're here to talk about the great Cobbler's Colt. Yeah, it's going well. well. Yeah. Thanks. I, and by, by the way, thanks again for having me. This is really fun. Of course, man. I've been trying to get you on. I usually have a co-host, but he's been dealing with like some family issues. So he's kind of like, he bowed out the rest of the season. Um, he, uh, he's also a comedian, right? Yeah, yeah. The great Alan Lee, the one oh. and only. And what have you guys been doing since you, there's no stage time lately? Oh, dude, like, I've only done, like, six shows in the past year and a half. So I've been, like, very depressed. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I totally get that. I mean, th there's a big, uh, I mean, even, f like, I'm not a comedian, uh, like you are, but there's, there's a, definitely a hit you get like a really positive bump you get from performing and from being in front of people and getting that like instant feedback in the room, like getting, not getting there, I would imagine is tough. I think comedy is better than sex, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and I love sex for any ladies listening or guys too, but whatever. But like, I, uh, like comedy is like, you know what I mean? Like I, I used to do it there's seven days in a week. I used to do 10 shows in a week, you know, and now I'm just 
I mean, I'm still great at comedy, but like nothing's opening, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's slow. It started slowly to come alive, right? Like I've noticed that they're doing some shows, but it's still not the same probably, right? They're all. I think national headliners are, because like I usually tour with Norm, who's has the same name as you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like that. About it. Uh, I usually tour with Norm and Jay Moore, and they, Norm's not doing it right now because he's all scared, but Jay can't bring anyone out because uh, they're they're not paying as much. They're only paying like a certain amount for a headliner. That's it, you know, so. Yeah, that makes sense. It kind of fucks guys like me up, you know. Um, We got to turn yourself into a headliner, right? We got to. Yeah, I know. I have a special, just no one fucking likes it. <laughs> wait is it no one likes it or is it you're having a hard time getting it out there i think both i don't know like uh netflix uh said that it, uh, they can't put it up because it wasn't filmed in 10k and i didn't know what 10k was it's like a quality video right yeah so it was filmed in 5k and i thought i thought like they wanted like you spend ten thousand dollars to make it and i only <laughs> Uh, I don't have ten thousand. Uh, well, I mean, that's something that's easily fixable, though, right? As soon as this uh, the pandemic's over, right? You can shoot a new special. Yeah, throw together an hour. It should take no time at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it'll take me a year to practice, you know, because it has to be new stuff, you know. But uh, I don't know, man. But like, uh, but yeah, how are you? I mean, I we did we saw each other once during this pandemic. And that was over probably one of the worst things I've ever done. The Zoom. <laughs> the Zoom reading of. Uh, Meet the parents. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was some connectivity issues, if I recall. It was a little bit uh, choppy. Yeah. Like, I thought it would be all fun and stuff. But then, like, uh, everyone's all, like, not paying attention. I was like, Dude. I said it was the full script. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. It, you know those things are those things are hard to make uh, make work in the in the best of circumstances. Um, but it was, I mean, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do uh, uh, this movie called Pushing Ten. Did you see it with John Cusack? John Cusack and Billy Bob Thornton, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. I I wanted to do the Zoom read through of Pushing Ten because I interviewed Kurt Fuller and Vicky Lewis, and they were both in it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I, if I could get John Cusack, right, we could have a cool read-through. But uh, all three of them said no. <clears throat> when, I, when I first started uh, writing, I had a script. It was like this noir thriller. And it had gotten sent to John Cusack's production company. Like a friend of a friend. I don't know, know how it happened. I don't even know if it really happened. I just was told that John Cusack's production company has your scripts. The assistant liked it, and they're moving it. And I was like... And it was the first thing that anything like that that kind of happened for me. And I told my mom and I was like, mom, I have this script and it, it went to John Cusack's production company. It's pretty exciting. That's all I said. Yeah. And then I went to visit her. She worked at a school district and I went there and like all of her friends at work were like, we, we hear you're starring in a movie with John Cusack. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's yeah. still pretty cool because I mean as you know John Cusack's my favorite actor and I have a huge gay obsession with him <laughs> really uh, um, I high fidelity is my favorite John Cusack movie yeah I love that one too 
Yeah. No. What's your favorite? Ah, uh, my favorite Cusack movie. It's probably one that no one's ever heard of because he's kind of like Nicolas Cage now. He just does bad movies, you know. <laughs> but uh, it was called. It was called the the Bag Man. Was it a what genre was it? It was like a crime thing. Robert De Niro was in it for like eighteen seconds. Uh-huh. Yeah, he plays a hitman who has to like watch a bag for like a million dollars or whatever and robert de niro's like the bad guy and he's in a motel and then like everyone wants this bag or something it's so cusack was great the story yeah but you know why is it your favorite if the story's not that good because uh i don't know it's just cool seeing john cusack kick ass you know (laughs) he apparently can really kick ass too um yeah he's a kickboxer yeah apparently he's pretty tough yeah yeah. Um, a lot of those scenes in uh, Gross Point Blank were apparently uh, him and some guy he trained with a bunch. I forget the guy's name. Some guy who's like... I've been... Yeah, he's, he's like Eddie Lizard or something. He's <clears throat> like... Uh, fuck, I forgot his name. But I've been... I was thinking maybe I could get him on the podcast because if I got him, I'd say, I'd say hey, can you tell a good old Johnny to do Razor Rips? <laughs> it was... Uh, oh, here it is. It's Benny the Jet. Benny... Benny uh, the Jet. Yeah, the Jet. Yeah, he's the bad guy in Gross Point Blank. You know, um, I uh, one of uh, we should probably start soon, huh? Have we not started? <laughs> no, we were. I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I opened up for Jeremy Piven a couple weeks ago, and uh, he uh, he didn't like any of my John Cusack jokes. <laughs> Wait, are you are you just messing with me, or is this true? I'm dead serious. I was like, <laughs> I was like, so I'm, I don't mean to brag, but I'm like the John Cusack of stand-up comedy. I just say anything. And like the crowd like laughed, right? And I was like, sometimes it goes well. And then sometimes I wish I was better off dead. Crowd laughs again, you know? And then I was like, I was like, and now I'm opening up for Jeremy Piven. That's what you call serendipity. Crowd laughs again. <laughs> Because that fucker was in serendipity. You know what I mean? He was in that <laughs> movie. And he didn't like me. And I was like, dude. He's like, I didn't like that serendipity joke. I was like, well, then you sh- you're the one who did the fucking movie. <laughs> where, where, did you, where did you open for him? That's hilarious. Uh, at the, it, was, uh, it was on the PCH. The, the sea, sea legs at the beach. <laughs> That's so funny. I like that you were giving shit to Jeremy Piven. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, because he used to be John Cusack's best friend. I guess they had like a huge falling out. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm team Cusack, so who cares about... Did you ever see Very Bad Things? Yeah. Jeremy Piven was great in that. But Daniel Stern was better. That whole movie, I can't believe it ever got made. It would never get made today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of the stripper dying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah basically yeah <laughs> you ever noticed like she was a hot stripper you know what i mean like <laughs> i think that was in the script yeah yeah her name was i i think i remember her name her name was kobe something it was uh she was like a huge uh japanese uh porn star Oh, really? i don't i don't remember i remember that scene where she dies just because it was so creepy with the she got like spiked in the back of the head um but you know what's funny is um my 
thesis advisor at Chapman, where I went to do my MFA in screenwriting, uh, was a producer on that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, Mike um, Michael Schiffer. Yeah. Oh. He also wrote. Um, he's a super nice guy. Uh, he wrote. He wrote uh, Crimson Tide, and he wrote Colors. Oh, I've heard of Colors. Yeah, Colors was with uh, Sean Penn and Robert DePaul. Yeah. Wasn't Tom Cruise in that too? <laughs> no. Or, no. That was Taps. Out <laughs> the Outsiders. You think of the Outsiders? Maybe, maybe Tom Cruise. I remember t before Tom Cruise became Tom Cruise. He like he was like a guy who was only in a movie for like fifteen minutes, like the first yeah. five movies of his career. Yeah, that's a lot of people though, right? Uh, so uh, enough uh, BSing around. What uh, tell the folks uh, about Goldberg's uh, <laughs> Cobbler's Gulch? Cobbler's Gulch, yeah. Like yeah, uh, so I. How do you get inspired to write this? Because there's so far well, that, 30 episodes. 30, yeah. And the, for this season, there's another, that'll be another another 22. It'll be like 52 total. Whoa. Um, yeah. So my, when my wife and I had our daughter after she was like, she was like two years old. I love the Wizard of Oz. Um, and so I showed my daughter the Wizard of Oz when she was two. And my wife was like, maybe it's a little early. And I was like, Eh, let's let's just like roll the dice and so i showed it to her and scared the shit out of her um, the, the original or the ones with james franco <laughs> the original oh like, okay the, the, the witch scene really freaked her out okay and she was two you know and um so she wasn't sleeping and my wife's like you you know this was your call so you better fix this so i wrote her this little nursery rhyme kind of thing that went uh um pixie dust uh, wait a how did it go? Pixie dust a summer's day, a ragdoll with a crooked stitch. Listen closely when I say, be gone, you silly witch. So she would say that whenever she felt scared of witches. She would say that. She would feel better and she'd go to sleep. But what was funny about it is <clears throat> we had this neighbor who was this, she was like this always cranky old woman. She was just always, like she was just always had, uh, normally I would say resting bitch face, but my wife says that there's no such thing as resting bitch face. You just, you're just a bitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this woman had resting bitch face. She was just mean and nasty. And my daughter would always say that little rhyme at her. <laughs> and the lady was like, what, what did she say? And I'm like, she thinks you're a witch. So she's trying to keep you away. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, that, that became like a little mythology that we created, me and my daughter. And so we, her um, and my son, as he got a little older, started just playing like improv games. Like they would ask, I would ask them a question like, um, if you were a witch, who would you hire? And they would say goblins. And like, well, how would you pay the goblins? And they would say fairy dust. And so, oh, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah, they, and so they have these little little tiny details that I wove in. I was going to say matches. Matches? Why? I don't know because I have a broom. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but those are <laughs> like some of the answers my kids gave a few times. <laughs> um, so it, it became this like whole mythology that I wrote into a book. And then I tried to, I tried to publish it a few times and I just got tired of dealing with publishers and agents and rejections. And my wife thought I should uh, turn it into a podcast. And so I wanted to do a, a podcast, but if you've ever listened to podcasts for kids, I don't know if you have, like most of them are terrible. At least the ones I've heard, they're just boring. 
And I wanted to make something that would be fun for kids and for the adults too. So I brought in music and lots of sound effects. Um, oh, you'll, you'll like this. Um, I put out a casting notice on voice act, like voice one, two, three. Oh yeah. Um, and I said, I need actors to do this adventure fantasy podcast for kids. I got nothing, crickets. Um, and then I was thinking about it and I've done casting notices before and it's like, you have to sell the story in the casting notice and I wasn't doing that. So I rewrote the casting notice and it said, um, if you have no problem scaring the shit out of children, I would like you for a fantasy adventure podcast. And then I got tons of, of people submitting all kinds of auditions. Oh, so I got, Yeah, so I got all these great voice actors from all over the country and COVID had just started and they were tired of doing like COVID PSAs and, um, you know, Cialis commercials. So they all came on board and yeah, I've, I've all these people who are really great voice actors, I've never even met them in person. Um, but it's cool. Wow. They jumped I, in the podcast. How come I didn't get an email? I would have done it. We can still have you on. There's 22 episodes, 22 episodes to go. Yeah. I'm pretty scary. I scare kids all the time. Like one Halloween, I was like, give me your candy or I'm going to cut you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll go over in 2021. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it won't work. But, you know, but, uh, yeah. You're going to have a, a red dot next to your name on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that inspiration was made for scary movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so you're – how are you like enjoying it like with the podcasting like do because you, you're not really talking to an audience you're telling an audience a story yeah it's it's fun like the one thing the few you know when i do get to be in front of an audience and um i don't want to say perform but when i get to do like live readings and i get to do things like that or, or make you know when i'm making short films or whatever and they go up for an audience that's that's the best i love that this is like a nice close second. The one thing I really enjoy about this is like, I don't have to ask anybody's permission. Yeah. So like every time I've written a script, even in the best case scenario, I'm having to collaborate and that can be good, but you're always compromising. Like whether you're compromising with somebody else's like idea of how something should land, like a joke or a line or whatever, mm -hmm. you're always compromising. And this, I, I mean, I get to work with really cool voice actors, but mostly I, I get to call shots i don't have to ask any permission i don't have to you know what i mean it's pretty cheap to produce so all of that's great like and i can do whatever i want so like if i was going to do a, a fantasy adventure for kids and it was going to be on film or as a tv show it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars i've done it for a couple hundred bucks yeah which is great i've listened to like I, i'm only on episode like 17 or 18 mm -hmm. but um the way it, when I listened to it, like I could see it being like a like a kids TV show, like an R.L. Stein type of like a book thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would love that. I mean, th that would be really fun. Um, and we could bring you in as an actor, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'll do it for free because I love you. You're one of my best friends. <laughs> who who would you want to play? Uh, who whatever you want. I could be. The, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, <clears throat> I could even recast whoever, you know what I mean? I could be. <laughs> um, did, did you know Michael J. Fox got recasted in Teen Wolf for Jason Bateman? Like, I, he, uh, he also uh, replaced, gosh, who was it? Somebody in Back to the Future got replaced. I forget who it was. 
Yeah, but you got to think, like, if you're Michael J. Fox and you did Teen Wolf, which one, the movie's not that great, but, I mean, it's kind of, like, you know, started his stardom. And then they're like, you know what? We don't want you. We want Jason Bateman. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm name-dropping here, but when I was in, again, grad school at Chapman, um, really nice guy named Mark Arnold was in our thesis film super nice guy great actor and he he played a, a pawnbroker in this film he made he was the bad guy he was the villain in teen wolf oh was he yeah <laughs> was he styles or whatever his name is no it wasn't styles um but styles was like his his buddy right um oh yeah yeah it was his, i haven't seen it in a long time i know it's been a while um but, uh, he was mick he was the bad i don't know he was the bad guy you'd know him as soon as you saw him yeah he was day in the hot the hot chick right the blonde chick i think so yeah he and he, yeah. he was one of those guys like was an actor who's been just doing it forever yeah. and was just the coolest friendliest most professional guy well see like one of my my dreams is to be an actor but the thing is like the older i got i i started not to fall in love with acting anymore because i like used to like be into huge like you know i want to do movies and stuff but now i just want to do stand-up and I want someone to offer me something just based on my stand-up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you want to have to not audition, basically. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean, if, if I'm being honest, like, there's no way I could compete with good-looking guys who are actors. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, no one competes with, like, Brad Pitt. or But, like, I feel like there's so many different roles now. Like, who are you competing with? Just be yourself. You know what I mean? I feel like there's plenty of roles that would be great for you. Well, I mean, because you see me read in, uh, in class and stuff, you know, there there's some there's some parts that I do very well that, not trying to say I'm the best actor in class, but I do them very well. And then there's some parts I just suck at. You know, it's funny too, though. I've, I've done lots, I mean, obviously in script writing workshops, I do a lot of those live readings, but in casting and in like script readings for features where we're trying to get like funding, we've done like live readings um in front of financiers and stuff and there's guys who are like great actors like on screen you see them and they're amazing but like they'll read a script in front of a live audience and they've like they stumble and stutter and it's not part of the character they just like can't read live it's, so yeah. like whenever we're doing that like some some people have a knack for it and some don't um i think you're particularly good in everything we've done but i i would never like i would never assume that somebody couldn't act just because they didn't get it right like on a live reading or something you know what i mean i feel like yeah. it's, that's like a different kind of skill well you know what one of the things that and i think it's also like a stand-up quality that i learned through stand-up is like if i mess up instead of saying like ah oh, fuck sorry i'm just gonna mess up and continue you know what i mean yeah just roll with it yeah and just be like oh i didn't mess up you know what i mean even though i know i did yeah you know it's funny that that i feel like that's key to a lot of things like most of the things that i've written that i've really enjoyed i'll be like just writing and i think i know where it's going and but then i take like a hard left turn and just kind of roll with it and then it opens up something in a different way yeah i feel it's i feel like you get that across all kinds of things like like you said stand up writing but also like sports like some of the the most fun sports to watch um the most fun sport to watch you know los our los angeles lakers god bless them they got um, killed by the suns yesterday it's early. It's early. I, I still hope they lose. 
<laughs> the Lakers lose or the Suns lose? The, the Lakers. I chose in my fantasy league. I chose. Uh, <laughs> I chose the Suns, and I also chose the Nets, even though I want the Knicks to win. But I don't think the Knicks can beat the Nets. I don't think so either. You know, um, are you not? I thought you were a Laker fan. Uh, no, no. I mean, I used to be when they had Eddie Jones and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> but um, I, I felt I felt very betrayed by the Lakers because they actually traded Eddie Jones the day I was diagnosed with Asperger's. It was March 10th, 1999. And I remember I was crying and my dad's like, oh, don't worry. It's just autism and stuff. And here's the thing. We had tickets to go see Eddie because, uh, you know, we're, we're like a pretty poor family. We had uh, tickets to go see Eddie Jones and the Lakers in April against the Warriors, right? And they were like at the forum. It was like shitty seats, but still we, we could see Eddie Jones. Well, they traded him. So the, the game in April that we went to just wasn't fun. Was that team was the one with Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones? Yeah, but yeah, they, yeah, they traded Van Exel that, before that, that game too. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that takes it back. Yeah. So when then when the Lakers started to win the championships, I was kind of over them because it's like, you know what? You guys fucking screwed Eddie Jones. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's easy to get attached to players like that for sure. And now I'm attached to James Harden. Oh, no, really? Uh, yeah, he has a cool beard. Uh, you can keep that guy. Yeah. I like Julius Randle, though. I like Julius Randle a lot. Yeah. Um, like Julius last night, though. Yeah. Uh, wait, they're playing – the Knicks are playing uh, – They're playing the Hawks, and the they should win that. But Trey Young uh, took it to him in that last uh, – That, last that play, was a right? great shot, dude. Trey Young's hair is a little weird. Yeah. Is that see, that, that's another thing is, like, players that I grew up watching, they're, no one's playing. You know what I mean? Like, there's no Allen Iverson. There's no Kevin Garnett. There's, like, all these dudes I've never even heard of. You know what I mean? It's funny. The game's so different. You know, I've noticed uh, in coaching my son at basketball, the, like, the, the ripple effect. I've people have talked about this before, but, like, there's all these, like, seven- and eight-year-olds jacking up, like, 30-foot three-pointers. Um, yeah. It's just changed so much. Whereas it used to be, like, every, all the kids wanted to dunk. Now they want to make three-pointers from, like, 30 feet out. Yeah, they were fucking show-offs. <laughs> <laughs> But going back, like, uh, even in sports, like, the people who, like, they're trying, you know, they're trying to do a particular move or whatever, and the ball gets away from them, or they have to adjust to the defense, like, the, the people who can kind of, like, just kind of roll with it, those usually make for the most interesting, fun plays, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he play, you know, he plays football, and he's, he's either great or he's terrible. <laughs> and that's why I love him because you never know you never know when he's you know gonna be great and even when he's terrible you're still rooting for him you know what I mean? <laughs> especially, especially when he's terrible probably yeah you're like all right keep throwing those picks so I can get more money on fantasy I don't know <laughs> but no one, one of the things I love about you is you you have a dark sense of humor like me mm -hmm. you know not a lot of people like the dark jokes, you know? I, <clears throat> it's funny. I've had like a dark sense of humor like as long as I can remember. I've thought things 
are funny. Like I remember one of the first jokes I ever heard, um, which is kind of it. It's kind of dark humor. It's kind of stupid too, but it was. Um, uh, it was. Do you want to hear a dirty joke? And I was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, yes, yeah, right. <laughs> I was like four. I was like yes, and then someone said a a white horse fell in the mud, and I laughed my ass off. And that was the funniest thing. And it's not really uh, dark it's humor. Funny because because dirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the literal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was like, I, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard because it was so ridiculous and over the top. And I feel like a lot of the dark humor that I laugh at now is ridiculous and over the top. And it's like saying the thing you're not supposed to say. Yeah. It just yeah, it gets me. I, I wish you were over at my house Saturday night when my, my grandparents were over because I told this joke. And it was like crickets. Like it was an awkward, awkward <laughs> dinner. What was the joke? Okay, so just to give you a backstory. So my grandparents on my mom's side, they're like famous judges in Texas, you know, like hardcore judges, you know. And um, there's this judge who was assassinated maybe 30 years ago. And he was like a big judge. And the person who assassinated him was Woody Harrelson's father. I've heard that story. Yeah. Wow. So, so anyways, my grandparents had to be in protective custody because they witnessed the whole murder thing, right? So his name's Monroe. And I'm, you know, so I'm telling the joke, you know, I'm like, so. And he's going, he, like, this is all he talks about every time I see him. I think this is his only cool story, you know? <laughs> So he talks about, he's like, and I remember seeing John and I'm holding him and I'm like, John, hang in there. Cause like they were close or whatever. And so he tells the whole story again. I was like, oh, did you ask Woody Harrelson for his autograph? Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> See, you should have tagged it though. After it was crickets, you said, well, Anyhow, cheers. <laughs> I was like, that's a cool story. <laughs> Best friend just got murdered, and you asked Woody Harrelson for his autograph. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why uh, I've I read this. I don't know if it's true, but that's why Oliver Stone cast Woody Harrelson in Natural Born Killers, because he knew he had that sort of dark history. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Woody Harrelson, though, like, he's actually... You know how, like, there's some actors who are, like, oh, they're just good actors, like, like, Brad Pitt, you know? I mean, he's a good actor, right? But he's not funny. You know, like, I don't think he could ever be funny. Like, even in Ocean's 12 or whatever, he wasn't the funny one. He was the, you know, Woody Harrelson is a funny guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, give Brad Pitt, uh, give him, like, a, a second chance. Well, two, two performances. See him in True Romance. Have you seen True Romance? Brad Pitt? Yeah. He was in that? I thought that was Christian Slater. It is Christian Slater. Brad Pitt has a little bit part as a stoner, and he's really funny. It's oh. just he's in it for like, he's in it for maybe two minutes total. Oh, so that's um, why he was funny. So that, <laughs> yeah. So that one, and then the Coen Brothers movie that he was in, um, Burn After Reading. He's pretty funny in that. Oh. I, it's, not, it's not my favorite Coen Brothers movie, but he's funny in it. He's really yeah. funny. But you're, you're like a huge Coen Brothers fan, huh? 
I do. I love the Coen Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say Fargo is your favorite movie? No, it's up there though. I would say if I was going to pick a favorite movie of the, the Coen Brothers, it'd probably be The Big Lebowski, just because yeah. I've, I've just watched it so many times. It's just so much fun. Um, do you think like uh, script writing, like movies, like for example, I think like with the whole Me Too thing, do you think movies are definitely not going to be like the humor is obviously going to change where they won't make those movies? Like, I'll give you a good example. Something about Mary or Weekend at Bernie's. Those are movies that I feel can't get made today. Probably not. Yeah, yeah I think, they, or if they do, if those kinds of premises get made, um, they'll just change it to, to account for the changing taste. I don't know that it'll be more funny or less funny. It'll just be different funny. Yeah. Um, and I think I've heard, I've listened to a lot of comedians talk about that on podcasts about like the Me Too movement and like just the general culture that we're in. And I feel like the comedians who are really solid comics will just adjust and make it work. Uh, I mean, hopefully I never get me too but also I don't think I'll ever be that person who does something me too a bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we generally assume that that's a, yeah. not a place, not a place that anyone should go. Like it's, you know, it's, I, my, I forget who said this. I, I like just the, the thought that it's like, it's so easy to not be an asshole. Yeah, but it's very easy to be an asshole. It's way easy to be an asshole, yeah. yeah. Like, one of my best friends is Andy Dick. Both, yeah. It's easy to be an asshole, but it's 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 really easy to not be an asshole, too. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Andy Dick? Well, I was going to say, one of my best friends is Andy Dick, and I was listening to a podcast he did, like, maybe a year ago. And he got me too right? And they asked him about it, and he literally says, I don't know why anyone cares. I mean, uh... They shouldn't me to me. <laughs> but he said it like because he knows what he does, you know what I mean? But he's uh whatever. I don't know. I just thought it was funny. You have to listen to it because he said it in his anti-dick type of way. You know what I mean? With his delivery. That's what's what's I think difficult for like a lot of people. And again, when I get if I'm doing anything with comedy, I'm I'm usually just doing script writing and I'm getting paid to to work on scripts to just make them funnier or whatever. I'm, I don't do like live stand up, but like one of the difficulties is for like stand ups, like you have to deal with it. It's just like context, right? And yeah. it's so easy to take something you say out of context and to well, misinterpret like irony and misinterpret, um, you know what I mean? The tone, which yeah. makes it really difficult. Especially on Twitter, because things could like get misread, even though you said what you said. You know what I mean? Like if you misread it in a different, tone you know what I mean? oh, absolutely so one of the things i do for like as a writer like to just pay the bills is i get hired to write like a lot of um like corporate scripts for executives they're going to go to a presentation or whatever and so i'll get paid to like uh, i'll get hired to like dress up the language or just smooth it out what i've learned <clears throat> is how many people are like wildly successful and for good reason like they bring a lot to the table whatever but but they're like functionally illiterate Meaning, yeah. meaning they'll read something or write something and it's like they have no idea. I would have no idea how to interpret the tone. So it tells me that they clearly have no idea. So I got, a lot of people seem like they're struggling with getting words in the right order and, and, and understanding them in the order in terms of how it communicates emotion, how it communicates actual ideas. Um, so when Twitter, it's totally unchecked. I mean, you put something out there 
my God, it's going to get read. You know, you write six words that are going to read a thousand different ways from a thousand different people. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, I agree, but then I, I also disagree. And I, yeah. I, I think that makes me hypocritical. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel bad for the victims, but also I feel that uh, jokes should really be uh, tolerated as tools to make people laugh and not to offend. I, I, I mean, when it comes to, for me, when it comes to comedy and comedians, and I'm not, I'm not a comedian, but I feel like- You should be. I feel like comedians, well, I, I'll take that as a compliment. Um, I feel like comedians should be protected above all else. Like, I think that what comedians do as a public service is, is just, it's, um, yeah, it's one of my favorite things on the planet. I mean, you said comedy is better than sex. I mean, I'm not going to go with you on that, but I mean, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you are married, so, you know, like, uh, I'm, yeah. But, uh, no, but, but for reals, like, I, I feel like the, the people who write comedy and are pushing those boundaries and getting us to think and emote at the same time in a positive way. I mean, it's about the, one of the more honorable things you can do. Even if you are writing like filthy comedy and dirty comedy, like there's something that has, a, there's something about it to me that just has so much integrity. You're yeah. trying to connect with people on that like very profound emotional level. I think it's amazing. Now, now you said you don't do comedy, but that's not true because you used to write for stand-up comedians uh briefly very briefly but yeah i did that um i had a a manager at the time who had some actors who were who were doing also doing stand-up comedy and um they they weren't the strongest writers so they brought me in to to help write jokes yeah um and like most did, of the jokes ruin their act or make them better i think i made them much much better however it was at a different time so like I couldn't, I, I won't even like share any of the jokes because I'm pretty sure they were like the kind of jokes that would get me into trouble today. Yeah. My manager used to manage Ron Jeremy. And uh, the guy's like kind of a, like I've never really, I've never really liked Ron Jeremy. And I got forced to interview him by my manager, but that's a different story. Anyways, he's like, hey, you should write Ron Jeremy some jokes. And I was like, I don't think I will. <laughs> was he doing stand-up? Well, I don't know, but he's in jail right now for like 40 rapes. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, well, that was, a, that was a, a wise move on your part, apparently. Well, yeah. And, you know, what's funny is right when he got arrested, my manager dropped him. And I was like, oh, you probably should have done that a year ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you kind of know when something's going to Especially if it's Ron Jeremy, you kind of know if something's gonna not gonna go well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the the one thing I, I will share about the time there was one I was writing for a a woman, a female comic, and she was going to do a set at a black club, and she was Jewish. She was Jewish. She was going to do a set at a black club, and she wanted to write a joke. A, it was like a joke making fun of uh, Mexican people. So we threw some jokes together and um, and they were like, they weren't mean spirited. They were, they were fun. They were light, but they were like, you know, but it, the, the funniest part to me about that was they had a white guy writing a joke for a Jewish girl about Mexican people to say in a black club. Like that was the, <laughs> yeah. that was the 
funniest part about the whole situation. Yeah, and sort of ridiculous. The funnier part is she got booed off stage, right? <laughs> no, she did. She did all right. Uh, later on, I'll tell you one of the jokes I wrote for her, which you like. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> uh, Norma, I have two more questions for you. Uh, as a teacher, and I don't want to say where you teach because you know I don't want stalkers for me, not so much for you. But uh, uh, has there ever been a student? who you thought, wow, this this person has major potential and has a student ever sold a script that you know about? Um, yeah, I've had students sell projects. Um, uh, and that, there's a lot of students I've had that have major potential, for sure. Um, and, then, and then conversely, there's some that, there's some, and I'll, this is where I'll admit my own ignorance too, there's some where I've had the thought like, that, this person's wasting their time. And then they go on and do like amazing things. Uh, so like, I, I've, so I've seen, I've, I've felt both sides of that coin, like that person's going to be great and nothing happens and vice versa, that person's not going to go anywhere and they do really well. So it's like, to me, that's a good lesson in, in that, like, you never know, like it can really, really happen for anybody. Anybody can sharpen what they're doing and make it really, really great. And people who have crazy talent sometimes just don't get the breaks. Like, it's a very, the thing, that's a funny thing about like, like me. <laughs> you're you're really young yet i wouldn't worry about you um no, i'm not that fine. young man how old are you 33 oh you're a baby oh you're, you're a baby. That makes me feel better <laughs> baby you know with old, the beard you know how old i am right yeah no <laughs> you have any guesses i was gonna say 52 but then like <laughs> fuck you you <laughs> But maybe that's not the best. Because <laughs> I tried to put, I, I tried to guess with my age in mind. You know what I mean? Like, okay, if I'm 33, you're not that much older than. I'm I'm 42, so I got 10 years on you. But like, a lot happens in that 10 years for sure. Yeah. How old were you when you got your first, uh, like your first? I wouldn't say big break, but like break as in you knew that you would survive in this business? Um, I mean, I still haven't gotten a big break. I mean, I'm, I do really, I do, I'm pretty successful at paying, um, paying the bills with creative work, but it's not creative work for Hollywood. Certainly right. it's like, I, I write, like I'm, I grind it out writing commercials, writing, um, you know, like, joke punches on things, doing cleanup work, um, like a lot of uncredited stuff. And that kind of pays the bills for me to pursue things like the podcast I'm working on or any other creative projects. So like, um, in, in that regards, like, even though I'm not making all the millions in, in Hollywood, I'm very proud of the fact that like, I'm a creative who's grinding it out and making a living and supporting my family. Um, but to, to answer your question more specifically, I think when I was in my late 30s, I had a project that was a big project for me that opened some doors and got me into some meetings that I wouldn't have otherwise had, which was great. Well, if I ever like become a huge star or whatever, I'll say, you know what? I want Norm Leonard to write this script. I'll be <laughs> like, I'll pull an Adam Sandler. I'll be like, you get him or you, I'm walking. That sounds good. Sign me up. He, right. You know what? Adam Sandler, from all the stories that I've heard, and this is just, again, listening to stuff on podcasts, he's a really great dude. 
Yeah. Did you hear what happened to him at IHOP? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Which I that's the pissest he's ever been. <laughs> I, he seemed like he handled it pretty well. Yeah, he just laughed. He's like, "All right, I'll go to Denny's." <laughs> he's a great sense of humor. <laughs> uh, no, um, you know what's weird about Sandler is, um, I love him. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's one of Norm's best friends. And the thing is, like, because Norm got Bob Saget on Razor Riffs, and uh, I, I. I don't feel comfortable asking for favors, you know? And so, like, I always expected, like, Norm would always think I would ask him to get Sandler. But the thing is, I'm not too interested in Sandler to want Sandler. Like, I don't I don't need Sandler, you know? Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, you know, yeah, do your thing. I would also, don't be afraid to ask favors. I think people, I think people enjoy when they can help people out, especially if they're people they care about. You know, it's not like you have a relationship with him. It's not like uh, you're using him or you know, I'm taking advantage of him, right? Yeah, yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like he's he, like that's not Sandler's not a name. Like I, it'd be cool if I got him, but he's not like. He's I guess what am I trying to say? He's not like John Cusack. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't, I would lose my shit if I got John Cusack. Oh, because John Cusack's like your guy. He's like your. Yeah. I yeah, met yeah. John Cusack. Did I tell yeah. you? That? Where? Uh, he performed at the Fox Theater in Riverside. What was and, he uh, See, here's what John, this is how I, John Cusack's so cool. What he does is he goes to theaters, right? And he sells out, the, the Fox Theater in Riverside is like 7,000 people. Mm -hmm. So he sold that out, right? And what he does, tickets were $45. What he does is he plays one of his movies so you pay $45 to see a movie you've probably already seen. And then, <laughs> and then after the movie, he comes out and he does a Q&A. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's genius. You make money and, you know, you don't really have to give the studio money because you could say, hey, you know, whatever. And then uh, he does a Q&A. So I tweeted all my Q&As, like, on the Twitter thing. And, uh, like, I could hear him under his breath because he's, like, Mike. He's, like, this Keith Reza has a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, then I asked him to do my podcast in front of everybody, like, put him on the spot. And, like, he's not going to say no in front of 7,000 people, right? <laughs> I don't know. Did he? So he says yes. And I was, like, holy Lord, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So then he said, uh, uh, after the show, come tell the VIP, like you said this in front of everyone. He's like, tell the, I said to come meet me. So I was like, oh my God, this is cool. So I met him. I took a photo. I was like, so about the podcast, he's like, uh, he's like, I'll give you my assistant's number. So he gave me the assistant's number. The assistant never fucking picks up. Never. <laughs> so, but the thing is like, that was the, such a cool moment for me that I believe in my heart someday I will interview him, even though, like, my dad says I'll never interview him. <laughs> why, why does your dad say that? Because he's a soul crusher. He said that after I told that uh, Woody Harrelson joke. <laughs> I like how you, I like how you uh, turned that around. Nicely played. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, my favorite John Cusack movie is... Um, high Fidelity. I said, I said High Fidelity, but actually I, re I retract. Stand right. By Me is my favorite john cusack movie oh because he died no just because that movie is amazing yeah 
That was a great movie. Yeah. Uh, you know who I thought was cool in that movie was Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. You know, he's the one guy who, like, I've heard is like a huge jerk, though. <laughs> really? Yeah. <clears throat> but, like, all right. So, two more questions is because I want to respect your time. You got kids and all that stuff. Sure. Uh, who's the coolest celebrity you've worked with on a project? A celebrity I've worked with that you actually met, and you know, because I know uh, you with J.K. Simmons, but I don't know if you met him. Yeah, I did. I got to work with him in the booth because um, I wrote the voiceover for that documentary that he did. Hmm. I mean, it would have to be yeah, it would have to be him. He was just friendly and cool and easy. Um, and there was you know we were only with him for one day, but I remember he. Uh, like sometimes we'd have to have, have him pick up a line because it wasn't working for whatever reason. Like it didn't fall within our time frame of our cut or, or whatever. And so we'd ask him to do it again. And he was always really cool about doing it. And when he would nail it, he would nail it. The director would go cut. And then he would go, bitch. Like, <laughs> which is a little, you know, <laughs> like, he just, like he just pimp slapped the line or something, which was really funny. But he was just, he was very gracious and like humble and just a cool guy. Yeah, he was easy. He's also like a, a good uh, success story about someone who's made it while they're old. You know what I mean? Because when he was younger, he wasn't. He, you know, yeah, well, I think he, he was in a lot of, like, he was one of those guys where you've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but like he got his, like, uh, you know, I think his Academy Award when he was older. And uh, and now he's huge, right? He's, he's in yeah. everything. Spider Man yeah. really changed his life, I feel. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Working for the Daily Planet. Yeah, because he was in this movie called The Ref with um, Dennis Leary, and he played I like. Love, the... I love The Ref. That's one of my. Favorite oh yeah, movies. so funny. We were having Dennis Leary, man. That guy, like, he was hilarious. Oh, that line from that movie. You know what this family needs? A mute. That was great. Yeah, Dennis Leary's good stuff. Uh, are Are you okay? I like two more questions. Uh, are you an Ozark fan? You know, I like the first season, but there's something so. I watch a lot of, you know, when we watch TV, I'm watching it with my wife usually. And so we have to kind of, you know, we have to agree on what we're watching. And they have like a, a filter on the lens and there's like this greenish hue to Ozark. It was another show that was similar. I think it was um, Bloodline where the, like the filter on the camera is like bluish green and my wife hates it. So she won't watch it. it like no. it bugs her. But I know, I know about Ozark. Sorry, that was a long one. I was going to say Ozark has a lot of... Uh good dark jokes that i love does it I'll, okay i'll have to make a point to watch it then uh, season one i could just tell you because i watched it with my grandfather and his wife's having an affair and like it, the lady or the guy she's having an affair with he gets thrown off the cronkite from his building by the cartel and then like four episodes later jason bateman says in fact the only thing that puts me to sleep the night is the sound of your dead lover hitting the <laughs> <laughs> um you know what you'd like i think if speaking of dark comedy have you seen what we do in the shadows the tv show uh no but i i've, I've heard i should watch that definitely it's funny it's really funny yeah Is it? particularly for dark comedy yeah it's great yeah. oh and also the great have you watched the great no no it's 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 different it's like a historical it's about catholic I think I'm getting this right. Catherine the Great. 
And at first, I, my wife was like, let's watch this period drama. And I was like, this looks lame. And then I watched like 10 minutes in. It's some of the darkest, most wicked comedy I've ever seen. Oh, really? Nice. It's really good. Yeah, check it out. The great, yeah. Did you see the new, the, you're not a Saw fan though, huh? Yeah, I, well, I like the first and second ones. Yeah. Well, then there's one with Chris Rock now. I saw that. That was pretty cool. Was it good? I know he helped write it or produce yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I listened to a podcast with Samuel L. Jackson, and he said he only did it because he wanted to die in a Saw film. <laughs> Spoilers alert, he dies. <laughs> but, <laughs> sorry, we might have to edit that out. But uh, again, my last question for you, Norm, is uh, what is the best memory you have uh, in your life uh that made you feel like a great artist? Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if it, like I don't know if it's as big as to say a great artist, but um, I wrote I wrote a book for my kids. Um, well, before that, I I told myself that I wanted to write a book for my kids and I wanted to like read it to them in front of their class. Holy um, Lord, was that fun? <laughs> Well, I, I had that thought like years before it happened. And then I wrote a book about a firefly that couldn't light up his butt. <laughs> it's a children's book. It, and, uh, and I read it in front of my class or in front of my kid's class, both their classes. And that was a pretty big moment just in so much as like, one, it was cool. My, like, my kids got to see their dad write a book, read a book that he wrote to all their friends. But it was also like something that I put in my head and like saw all the way to fruition, which was cool. Like in terms of just like, being a creative person, like having an idea and taking it, not just like finishing the book, but like getting it published and then performing it for kids. They got a kick out of it. It was great. Well, Norm, where can the folks at home follow you if you want to be followed or support you if you want to be supported? Uh, Cobblersgulch.com is our website and we're on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. Um, we're doing really well. We're getting, we've got a, over 120 reviews on apple Podcasts, which is pretty solid um yeah that's great i only have like 92 yeah we're trying to rack up trying to rack up more get a little bit more um momentum going but um if you like adventure and fantasy or if you have kids who love adventure and fantasy they will absolutely dig it it's it's fun for for adults and kids to listen to together particularly and it's super snackable like they're just little 10 minute episodes cobblers i think the longest one is like 17 minutes so it's like short and sweet yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. so it's good good for like short attention spans it's like it's like the wizard of oz meets a series of unfortunate events meets hocus pocus meets i'm just naming kids things now you nailed them all yeah all right meets the saw movies meets the saw movies all right (laughs) All right, Norm. It was uh, thanks so much for doing it, man. I uh, this this was a fun chat, and I hope I know you've been doing a lot of podcasts now, but I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed Razor Rips, man. Yeah, this was great. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me, Pete, uh, Keith. All right, buddy. Yeah, it's called Pete. It'll be out next week, and I'll I'll tag you like crazy for a week. Cool. That sounds good, man. So good to see you. See you, Norm. All right, take care. All right, guys. All right, that was the show. Subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 
You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, write, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.